Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. Our movie review podcast for this episode is Men in Black 2019 or Men in Black International. How should we label it? Probably international because that's what it says on the poster. But what do I know? (laughs) I'm just so confused because there's uh, so many movies out there, sequels, prequels, reboots. It's getting hard to keep track of all of them. So uh, this is our podcast. This is our review of Men in Black. And the consensus says Men in Black International, released 2019. And to quote every YouTube ever, hey, let's see if we can get the likes in this video, in this one. How many likes should we shoot for or aim for? Uh, four. All right, we want four likes. Uh, three likes for you and one for me. So if we can get this video up to four likes, we will release another video. Uh, synopsis for Men in Black. It's a secret organization that protects the Earth from the scum of the universe. Is that a good synopsis or uh, can we do it better? No, nah, that's about it. All right, it's just that I'm pretty much borrowing the synopsis from the first movie. You wouldn't be wrong, too. Uh, marketing for this, what would you say? Decent? Bad? Good? Uh, I'd say bad. I'd, I'd say of every trailer I saw, none of it really enticed me at all. Nothing made it seem unique or interesting or different to the other the previous entries in this franchise, and I can go into that more later once we get into the review. Marketing, I'm going to say... Um... Poor marketing. I'm going to grade it what? Like a C or a D? Well, I mean, I'm a rare breed. I'd give it an F- minus if I could. But you're basing it on the commercials. I'm basing it in general. Uh, The commercials didn't really pull me in. Uh, I know they had a lot of spots in other things, billboards. And I think they sponsored a couple of the NBA final games. I don't recall. Now, the marketing kind of blew up in, in Sony's face. I know you and I were talking about this where they're like, oh, wow, we got Chris Hemsworth in this movie. And, uh, you know, he's coming off of Avengers Endgame. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's going to work in our favor because he's going to be in the biggest movie of the year. And that's going to carry over to this movie. But they had a problem. Uh, there's a big spoiler in Avengers Endgame with Chris Hemsworth. And he was featured in very little marketing for the biggest movie of the year. So it kind of uh, blew up in in Sony's face. I don't think that would be necessarily the reason. I mean, people know he's a recognizable face and name. I'm pretty sure people weren't thinking one way or the other. Like, they know he's in Avengers and he's going to be in this one. Must be good, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm thinking that Sony was, was hoping to ride that wave into them sometimes it's kind of like oh hey i just saw this guy in a, in a movie uh a month ago and and i really liked him now i want to see him again um but i guess like you said enough with the marketing it, it was kind of poor because it had trouble attracting people to the box office now if we're talking bad about the marketing then why are we reviewing this movie and we saw it well we had a couple of options over the weekend of what movies to see we could have seen annabelle creations is that's what it's called no, it's like Origins or Far From Home or some bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> we could have seen Annabelle and we could have seen Yesterday. Problem was, the marketing for Yesterday didn't really draw me in. Uh, Annabelle, I wanted to see that movie, but the group that I was going with, uh, they don't like to see scary movies. So I said, all right, we'll do uh, a nice, safe comedy movie, even though I'm kind of hesitant to see it. And that explains my story as to why we're reviewing Men in Black 
in this review and why it's so late. Now, as far as story, the story, we have to grade it poorly. I mean, how would you grade the story? I'm giving it a poor grade. Yeah, the... Well, here's here's how I can wrap up every, my whole summary of this entire film, is that it was 110% pure laziness. It was everything, every aspect I could possibly think about this film is just utter abysmal laziness. That's true. I was watching this movie and analyzing it, and as far as the story, it seems like they were just making it up. When they started production... They had no script, and every day during production, they would add something new. We will get into the spoilers of, of why we feel that there was no story to begin with and why they were making it up as they went along. It, it's weird with this movie because it's supposed to be a reboot. So, like, hey, we'll just, you know, reboots are a soft reboot. It's like, hey, we'll just borrow from the first movie and then just update it for modern audiences, which this movie barely does, and it barely does it barely takes from the old it barely takes from the new it barely like its plot is barely anything stuff just happens but none of it feels cohesive or interesting it's just like they had plot beats to get through and nothing about it felt felt um established i guess everything like things happen but nothing about it like had any reasonable reason for happening well said yeah um I saw the first Men in Black, what was it, in the 90s? Yeah, it was like probably 99 or 98 or and 97, it was something. such a good movie. It, it, it drew me into that world that they built, and I wanted to see more. Then they made Men in Black 2, not as good. Men in Black 3, I still haven't seen it. And then they made I'm this pretty one. pretty sure all of those were just like riding off of the, the coattails of Will Smith's charisma, just like how Aladdin wanted to do. That's true. So talk about lazy writing. For all the movies, all the Men in Black movies, the writing has been lazy or it hasn't been there and they just make it up as they go along. Um, I, I really wanted to see like a good Men in Black, a good uh, world building, and we didn't get that, and not in this one. So it's starting to make me think that I guess the first Men in Black movie was pretty much a rare occurrence. Uh, uh, what is it, a Halley's Comet, something that takes a long time to come and once it comes that's it you don't see it again yeah i mean i i I have no reason to ever rewatch this movie or to recommend this movie to anybody now moving on to the acting chris hemsworth is is natural he's got natural charisma and he's got good comedic timing but he was a waste on this poor script yeah, I'm pretty sure there were beats where they were like, hey, improv something funny, and I guess he did. Like, there's moments of like, yeah, it's kind of Thorish or, you know, whatever, but like, he's not really that likable a character, and I don't recall him really doing that much off of outside of like kind of generic action-y stuff. Like, none of these characters are really characters. They have vague essences of characters, but other than that, they don't feel fully flushed out and developed. That's Back true. to my original point of everything in this movie, feeling lazy. So, supposedly, the thing with Chris Hemsworth is the character that he plays is supposed to be this, um, like, this really naturally gifted men in black agent. He's just got this natural talent. He's just so good at his job. But they try to play it, like, in a comedic way, I guess, like Archer. But he comes off as a villain. Like, the whole time I'm watching this movie, 
and I'm thinking, yes, I know Chris Hemsworth from his uh, career is the good guy, but he just feels like he's the villain. Well, I mean, to be honest, this movie doesn't really have villains. So we can get into that later. But like, yeah, like like I like so this this movie kind of does a weird thing off of like the buddy cop dynamic where normally like like so you have your new character with Tessa Thompson and she's supposed to be like learning the ropes and like you know tagging along on this adventure and like getting to know everything that happens. And Chris Hemsworth's supposed to be uh, like uh, the expert seasoned vet and like, you know, showing showing the new character, the recruit, the ropes and so on. But they kind of role reverse that a bit where Tessa Thompson has been studying aliens or whatever for, for like her whole life. And and she's supposed to be the expert, but sometimes like it doesn't feel exactly earned that she's the expert. Like you're just told that she becomes the expert and then. Chris Hemsworth character where the movie starts off with like an action sequence where like, yeah, he's the expert, you know, he does kind of cool stuff, I guess. And then later on in the movie, he becomes come like a, an arrogant smug and like a <laughs> slovenly character. And then like, he, he's kind of that for the whole movie and you don't like him and he doesn't do anything interesting or heroic or anything. He's just kind of an ass. Yeah. And, I attribute that to the writing again, that they didn't have a, a clear direction of where they were going. Uh, Tessa Thompson, great performance as usual. I think the reason why she did so well with her performance in this movie was just because the script was very poor. And she's just one of those actresses, whether you saw her in the, in the Rocky spinoffs, Creed or Valkyrie in the, in the, um, in the Thor part three Ragnarok movie. She's just able to rise above the material that's provided for her. She she has this like really like nerdy character where she overstudies and overprepares, and you can go with it. I mean, it's like yeah, it's it's pretty much like training day. She's learning the ropes, but you can go with her just adapting so quickly just because she overprepares for any situation. Well, the problem with that is that they don't like. They don't like normally in these kinds of movies, you montage the person like learning things as they go on. Like they jump from her being five and having an alien encounter to her being like 26 and like being an expert in the stuff. But they don't really show the in between of that. She just is. And and then they just go from there. But like, I don't know, none of it felt deserved or earned or warranted or any of that for me. Just here she is and she's doing stuff. <laughs> Moving on. Don't ask questions. No. She knows everything. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean that that's an interesting. You said she did a good performance. Like, there's there's too many times I noticed in this movie where there were bad performances. Like, they just got a shot because they needed the actors to do something, and they didn't care, like about the performance. Like, oh, an action scene happened, and then you know, like or like some like an actor did something that's kind of like shown off screen or whatever, and then like the next scene is them kind of like not flowing into that action. Like, for example, like, oh, this character did something and we'd have a close-up of that. And then the next scene is, oh, this person standing perfectly sti still as if they didn't do the thing that they just did in the previous shot, trying to, like, sh show or clarify, like, this one action that a character did in the previous shot. And I don't, like, that, that's kind of bringing back to when I think of the laziness is, like, no one seemed to care. I guess continuity would be the thing or something. Like, no one seemed to care. They just, like, here's our shot list let's shoot some scenes and I, like the editor is like oh the editor can fix it but the editor couldn't fix it because there was none of like the gluing material that was there for the movie so like everything just feels really weird and choppy and like
I don't know. Like I said, lazy. The only word I can keep coming back for this movie is lazy. No, that's that's very interesting what you're saying, that it seems like they wanted to make another Men in Black movie. I don't know if it was fear of losing the rights. Like maybe they're supposed to make it every so often and they're afraid to lose the, the rights, rights to, who? To, to Men in Black. Like, for example, to Marvel. Who? To the comic book publisher that, that, that owns Men in Black? I don't know who. Oh. You keep, like, you, you, there's no ultimate juggernaut, like, image comics? I don't know. There's no juggernaut behind Men in Black. Nobody knew or cared about what Men in Black was. That's Nobody true. still does. I, I know that it's, it's a comic book series, and I know that some contracts... Sony just looked at their summer slate and like, oh, shit, we need a summer blockbuster. Uh, Men in Black, why not? <laughs> it didn't work with Ghostbusters. Maybe it'll work with Men in Black. That's, that's what they did. That's true. Um, the... Saving grace of this movie. Well, I mean, I was just going to say that it seems like this was supposed to be a direct-to-DVD, and they were able to get uh, Chris Hemsworth, and they said, well, if we're getting a big star, let's get a big director and uh, send it to the movie theaters. And the only thing that I'm... One of the things that saved the movie was the chemistry between Chris and Tessa Thompson. Really good chemistry between the two. If the chemistry did not work, this movie would have been slaughtered by fans and critics just destroyed well i mean they have fine enough chemistry but the movie like the the actors may have good chemistry but the characters didn't like for a like i barely know what these people's characters are other than guy who used to be good and girl who is now good Uh like there's one scene that really stuck out to me like where they're in the desert and and you're you know hey we're alone in the desert now here's a time for character development and I don't remember, like, I think Chris Hemsworth said something, and then it was kind of a, a jab at Tessa Thompson, and then, you know, like, oh, why are you so serious? I don't remember what the line was. I don't remember nothing about this movie's memorable, <laughs> other than my, my, my flaws for it, deeming it as, as lazy. But, like, hey, this, and then, you know, like, because we're friends, we're supposed to be laughing, and then it's just them, like, kind of fakely, awkwardly laughing, like, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. We are laughing, ha, 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 <laughs> laugh, 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 ha, 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 ha. We are friends now, can't you tell? Because we are laughing at each other, ha, 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 laugh, 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 ha, 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 ha. Oh, that's right. Like, um, there was that scene where they were trying to make it funny, you said, in the desert, and they were laughing really hard in the movie theater, but no one in the audience was laughing. It was pretty much crickets or not even the crickets wanted to, to make a sound so they so the uh, studio doesn't get confused and think somebody liked it. That's how, how, how bad the joke was. That it's got contagious and makes me make bad jokes. But anyways, you talking about this movie, me talking about this movie, I think we would have been more angrier talking about this movie. Uh, but one of the things that also saved it, aside from uh, Chris and Tessa was uh, Camille Nanjiani, who plays the character Pawnee. He had some very comedic jabs in the, in the movie. Yeah, he, he's great. I, I, can't, I can't fault him for anything, but we talked about this later, like after the movie aired or at the end of the movie, where it's like, it does not feel like, like, so like, Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth were told, you're going to have a short sidekick character. We don't have his ADR done yet. We don't have his lines. But, like, here's some concept art of what he might look like. Now look over here while we shoot his scenes later in post. And that's what it felt like. You know, like, Kamel would say something, Pawnee, his character, would say something funny. 
and you know like the characters didn't react to it properly but are like yeah that's a funny moment but then like the the characters act you know reacted to it dismissively like we didn't we don't know what to act against so here we go we say something or like Kumail, like, I don't know, maybe he, when he was doing his voiceover, he, like, maybe they didn't shoot the movie yet. I don't know. Cause it, like, nothing about, like, it's just, like, the wrong jigsaw puzzle piece. Like, there's a piece that's supposed to fit here, and it looks like it's supposed to be this one, but it's not quite this one. That's that's what this was. It's like, oh, uh, we'll do everything later. Oh, oh, the deadline for the movie's here. Oh, we needed to get this together. Hey, uh, editor, hey, uh, CGI animator guy and editor guy, work, work these two uh, jigsaw puzzle pieces together and see if they'll fit. Oh, they don't quite fit. Well, whatever. People, idiots will come and see this movie because it says Men in Black. Oh, nobody will come and see this movie because people haven't cared about Men in Black since 1997? <laughs> yeah, well, well said. Uh, so it seems like there was no, no reaction from um, Chris and Tessa as far as to uh, Camille Nianjani's character. Because usually when they make these movies and they have a CG character, there's an actor, somebody there to deliver lines and, and to step in where the character is going to be, you know, like, uh, what is it? James Gunn's little brother who played rocket. He would wear the green suit and he would kneel or, uh, Mark Ruffalo who plays the Hulk. He would wear his, his, uh, mocap suit. So the actors know where to react and he would deliver his lines. But I guess for Camille, uh, his lines weren't delivered until after principal photography was done. Yeah. There was like a scene where like, right after we're introduced to the character Pawnee, like he disappears and you literally leaned over to me and said, where did he go? Cause there was like That's an action right. scene that was happening and like, he wasn't saying or doing anything and like action scene happened. And then after action scene was over, there was like a pause in action scene, like, or there was like a first pause where nothing happened. And you're just like, wait, what happened to Pawnee? And then like a second pause after like more action happened. And you're like, Oh, there he is. Oh, he was in, he was in Chris Hemsworth jacket the whole time. Except he never said anything or <laughs> no. reacted or did anything. Tessa Thompson's jacket. Well, either someone's jacket. I don't remember. This movie doesn't yeah. care, and neither do I. Yeah, because this is what happened. Uh, there was supposed to be this um, action scene where Chris and Tessa were out outnumbered, outmatched by these these bad guys or these henchmen, and then they introduce or they bring in Camille Nanjiani. They bring his character Pawnee into the scene. So you're like, okay. Tessa and Chris are outnumbered. They're in trouble. So Pawnee's going to come in, and he's going to help them out. He's going to tip the scale of the fight in their favor. So he comes in. He goes into the pocket of, I believe it's Tessa Thompson. And then it just turns into a chasing where, like, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa's like, we got to get out of here. And you're like, wait, you're setting up this fight scene, but then you turn it into a chasing? Yeah, it was all – It was all. it's like they saw, like, one of the Mission Impossible movies and, like, hey – uh uh, Tom Cruise is like on a motorcycle chasings all the time. Let's have a motorcycle chasing in our movie. And then let's just have a yeah. motorcycle chasing <laughs> in our movie, except not done as well and, and stupid and boring. Yeah. And now that's a great transition into the directing. So you got this uh, seasoned and skilled director, uh, F. Gary Gray, is yep. his name? Uh, he's got experience. He's, he's directed a lot of stuff. And, uh, the, he went to waste in this movie. He didn't. He didn't do much. He brought in a, a little flair. Some of the scenes that were set up were were well set up, but uh, that's it. It's it's like uh, this movie is kind of like polishing a turd. 
Well, I wonder if like when he signed on, he was like, he's like, oh, we're doing a Men in Black reboot. And I'm pretty sure like the initial like script had like, like, like Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones coming back or something. And after he was like, oh man, I'd love to work with, with uh, Will Smith. That'd be great. And then like, he, like later on as the movie went on, it was like, oh, the, everything about this movie is terrible. So I guess I'll just check out and not care. And then I'll just, I'll just do an adequate job just for the paycheck. And then Sony will fund me, green light me for something else later down the road. Cause I did their men in black movie. And uh, another, I don't know if this was the director's fault or the editor's fault, but this is one note I have under directing a complaint I had. So you had two simultaneous fight scenes going on. You had, Tessa Thompson, like in the trailer, she's fighting a three-armed alien. Mm. And then you have Chris Hemsworth, and he's fighting in the trailer this really big, thuggish alien. And the two fight scenes are going on different locations, but they're cutting it into the movie together, you know? So it's like, it's kind of like a little montage or something where it's like, okay, you got Tessa fighting, fighting, cut to what's going on with Chris. He's fighting, 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 cut to Temps, Tessa. But the problem is, that they cut the scenes wrong. So when they cut to one character, he's in the middle of an action scene. So the camera is shaking and you're kind of seeing the, the aftermath of the fight. For example, you'll see this one alien try to punch Tessa. And before the punch reaches her, you cut to him, Chris Hemsworth that gets picked up and thrown by this alien. But they cut to the scene where he's already picked up and he's being thrown and he crashed and lands then it cuts to Tessa receiving the punch. So it kind of, so far the directing was fine before that. But then when you get into that scene, it's, it's, what is it? Is it jarring? Is that the correct word? Yeah. It kind of made me nauseous. Well, it's funny you mentioned that scene. Cause I noticed like in that scene as well, there was like, so there's like a bunch of like close up fighting. I think like maybe uh, Tessa Thompson and three armed alien, which was a stupid design. Cause it's just someone in a, in a weird wig. Hey, they're an alien. They have a funny wig. <laughs> Fuck you, Sony. You're lazy ass, whatever. But like, so there was like, like two people fighting or whatever. I don't remember who was fighting because I don't remember dick all about this movie. But like, this was the weirdest, most in, like, like hard to describe shot. But like, okay, two people are fighting and there's like a kerfuffle going on. And then there was two shots, like two shot, two shots back to back of like, hey, like these people are fighting and then cut to like, empty like empty part of the room where i think like a bookshelf fell or something i don't remember what but like cut to empty shot with no characters in it followed by another empty shot with no characters in it i think it was like a bookcase falling over here and then like a desk falling over here but it wasn't really related to the action it was just like weird it was like characters and then cut cut and then back to characters and i'm like why did you just do two weird cuts back to back and that's another example why we think that they only had the character, the actors available for a certain amount of time. And it's like, hey, you got to get these shots, no rewrites, nothing. You have us for this time. After that, we have to go do other things. And it's like, oh, damn, we're screwed. The, the movie isn't making any sense. Uh, let's just work around it with like what B-roll or, or footage of other. Things. I don't know. I, th- I think like the intern was editing this movie that weekend for their summer project <laughs> or something and just like. Oh, I'm trying to edit this stuff, but there's not enough footage. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe like all those like Coca-Cola all right. like commercials we'd see like pre-rolls before the movie start were like, hey, hey, we're so-and-so from uh, BYU Students Summer Vacation School for 
for film acting or whatever. And like, hey, we need to uh, we're we're filming for Coca Cola. Don't forget to have Coca Cola and and Regal popcorn in your in your uh, film, so we know that it's a Regal Coca Cola short film. And maybe those guys like shot and edited this movie. Yeah, you're right. I guess Amy Pascal from Sony saw oh, she left. Uh, one of those commercials. <laughs> she left before She's that. She's been gone for like a few months or something. I don't know. Fuck her. This movie is just a... We're still mad at her for what she did for our favorite franchise. Well, this is a, This could have been a favorite franchise. Why does Sony blow so much ass at everything they make? Yeah, they're like... Uh, what is it? That one character that touches things and it turns to ash? It's like an opposite Midas? I don't know. Yeah, this movie blows. Yeah. <laughs> What's your the only reason Into the Spider Verse was good is because it was an accident, and no one involved at yeah. Sony actually touched it. Just like how <laughs> Homecoming and Far From Home will be good because no one from Sony's actually touching the thing. Yeah, that's why Sony. Please trust your talent. If you have somebody like a director, an experienced director, an experienced cast, leave them alone. Let them do their thing. Yeah. What's your recommendation for this movie? None. There is no recommendation. Watch the first no one. Wait, like rent it on iTunes or something or just buy it and watch that 15 million times because it's a far superior film than this piece of trash. Not necessarily My that it's bad. It's like I keep I keep saying it's lazy. Like it doesn't feel like like anybody cared when they were making this movie. They weren't interested but in like I'd... trying that hard on making a reboot. They weren't interested in like trying that hard on making a good like standalone movie that like nobody cared. Shots shots are bad. Like the fundamental thing about this movie is like the scenes you shoot and even that's bad. So I don't I don't know why anyone should care about this movie. Well said. I mean they try to make it on a bigger scale when it has more locations, but it seemed like the world was much bigger in the first men in black movie than in this one. In this one you could tell they had a really small budget because it's like, yeah, we're going to other parts of the country, but then the shots were so tight, so you can't see that it was shot in a sound stage. Yeah, it's like, oh, international, we're gonna be globe trotting the world. It'll be like, it'll be just like a Mission Impossible movie where, like, oh, they go around the world and they like have fun adventures or whatever. But it's like, no, it's like shot in like a small bazaar or whatever, shot on a small street, shot in like in a nightclub or whatever, so, like small areas that don't seem interesting or grand. And then the grand finale of this movie is going to be like ripped off from the first movie, but not as interesting and more stupid. My recommendation for this movie is um, no rush to see this movie. This is like something that you might want to watch on TV just because it's fun to hang out with uh, Chris Hemsworth. And also just to hear the really funny jokes from uh, Camille. Yeah, you could see him in funnier things. That's just true. watch his stand-up but... clips on YouTube for free. That'll, that'll probably be far more interesting than this. Um, if you do by accident see this movie, as soon as the movie's over, our recommendation is you can leave. Uh, there's nothing after the credits. I was expecting something to set up uh, a certain... What was it? There was this rumor going around that it was supposed to be a crossover between Men in Black and 21 Jump Street. Uh... So I was expecting to see a stinger like that didn't happen uh, i was expecting to see maybe something with will smith that they were going to tease a bigger threat and then you were going to see will smith come back nope nothing well that's all sony is and greater ambitions than their ability to execute like oh man we're going to make a 21 jump street crossover with men in black or we're going to bring will smith back no, but we're not going to actually do any of that stuff because that sounds like hard work 
it sounds hard to make a good movie. And we just want to get idiots in seats so they can watch the movie, watch our, our shitty movie and pay lots of money. Oh, that didn't happen. Well, uh, well, Ghostbusters coming out. Don't you worry, guys. That'll be good. <laughs> and uh, community question for everyone. You have one? Not, uh, why do you want to see this piece of garbage? <laughs> That's your community question. Why do you want to see this piece of garbage? Now we're getting into the spoiler section. Usually we say we're getting into spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, pause it, go watch the movie, and come back. But this one... And you're not missing much. Welcome to the spoiler section. We're going to spoil some stuff. Please hang out. I mean, sure, we're going to spoil it, but do you really care? Refer back to our community question if you don't want to be spoiled. Uh, this is the one thing that makes me angry about the movie. So you have the Pawnee character who felt like he was added at the last minute. And there's this crazy thing that i don't understand what happened so you have these two bad guys that show up and they say yes we want to assassinate this important alien figure and they ask Pawnee for his permission and he says okay yeah you can assassinate him they assassinate him then there's this big conflict with the men in black and the assassins and then the men in black meet Pawnee. And they never mention it again where it's like, oh, hey, guys, I'm sorry I started this intergalactic war by giving permission to these assassins. It, it just, you know, it, there was no point in having that scene. Well, it's all nonsense. So these guys came to the whatever, the little, for some reason, they're chess pieces, I guess, so they could have them, you know, Kamel be cute or whatever, cute and tiny. And they're like, okay. We're going to go over to the chess the chess aliens. Okay, we want to get this dart so we can kill this one guy. Oh, uh, we we use the dart, but it only makes him feel not good, and it doesn't kill him. So we blow up his car to kill him, but it doesn't kill him right away, but it kills him eventually. Anyways, uh, and then, okay, now let's go back to meet the people who wanted to kill the guy. Oh, we met the guy who killed the guy we met the you know the aliens that killed the guy but he was already dead so our the twin aliens decided to go back and kill the people that hired them to tie up loose ends i don't know and but they go back and meet kumail and kumail's like oh my queen's dead that's a bummer but he doesn't seem to care and <laughs> and and it's like, oh, I want to tag along. Maybe you know something, but he doesn't do anything. I don't think. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Well, it's a lot of wasted scenes. I think they just needed to, like, because they've seen other movies. Whoever wrote this has seen other movies before and knows that, like, hey, you're supposed to like follow the follow the thread. You know what what happened? Like, wh- where did these people come from? Or like, who do they meet with? And that's what we have to do in our movies. We have to meet with the people that that the the bad guys met with and you know have to follow this mystery of what's going on except none of it makes sense and nobody cares that was that was such a confusing part and that's what made me mad how they introduce one thing and then later in the movie they refer back to it like it never happened and then the bad guys who were supposed to be bad guys weren't actually bad guys and they killed the bad guys that weren't bad guys when they figured out that the bad guys were actually good guys but the bad guys never acted like good guys so we wound up killing the quote unquote good bad guys by accident well i mean the real bad guy of this movie and you know tessa and chris is it until they just made it up at the end Oh, maybe 
maybe these guys, when they said they needed the weapon, they meant they needed the weapon not to kill us, but to kill for us or something. They said yeah, it in the yeah, throw it away like, line because... Google, Google Translate uh, screwed us over. Oh, you, if you change the inflection, the, that phrase means something else. <laughs> and then... Another spoiler I had was, so you have this secret organization. And what happens in every secret organization movie? They talk about a mole. Now, they usually don't introduce the mole plot line until, what, a later movie? I can't. Well, and, it doesn't, I mean, the, the, the mole plot, I guess, isn't really, I don't know. It's, it's been done. So, I, like, you know, you, you can introduce it into a reboot, I guess. But you got to wait till the sequel because first you have the one movie that's the reboot and it introduces the character. Then you're supposed to have the sequel where the, the complex blows up and it's like something happened. We must have a mole. But in this one, they're like, well, you know, our script is kind of small and we still need to fill up a two hour movie. So let's introduce the whole mole plot line. Well, and that goes back to my point of like there's no development in this movie. Like stuff just happens. We're like, OK, we're going to have the mole plot line. And we're going to have, like, so in a mole plot line, you have, you lead, you lead the audience on to believe that someone's the mole, and then you eventually reveal that it wasn't them, but it was someone else who, like, was clo- seemed like a, a closer ally than was, like, the, the initial red herring, which they start to do, like, you know, in the middle of the movie, but then they abandon that really quickly when the red herring isn't fully established as a red herring, just as a person that's, a, like, who's after our protagonists, but, like, it was always like it always. It was always in my mind because I'm, I have a brain and I have two brain cells to rub together. <laughs> was okay. The red herring is o- the only reason the red herring is seemed as as the antagonist right now or as their mole is because he's trying to do his job and he sees these uh, the protagonist as a threat. Because going back to Chris Hemsworth being a shitty at his job, it seemed like Chris Hemsworth was continuing to be shitty at his job. So the red herring seemed like a kiss ass. And wanted to show up to the boss, who, spoiler, because we're in spoilers, uh, Liam Neeson's the bad guy the whole time, even though it's never developed. But moving on, even though it was pretty <laughs> obvious, the red herring just seemed like he wanted to be a kiss-ass and wanted to look good to Liam Neeson, which it's like, okay, fine, that made sense to me. And then Liam Neeson was never fully established as a likable character, so, like, you would feel the the, the betrayal more harshly, and then, like, bleh. Like, he was never developed as good, and he was de- never developed as bad. You were just told he was bad at the end, and you're like, okay, I guess he's the bad guy, and he must be killed. And then you kill him, and then I don't feel anything, because you fucked up everything about this this whole plot line. <laughs> and then you just stole stole the end of the first movie, where he, like, he starts off as a human, and then he turns into an alien, and then you vaporize him. With the MacGuffin. With a big gun. <laughs> That's right. And the MacGuffin wasn't uh, that impressive. It wasn't a Tesseract, or what was that piece called from Transformers? It wasn't the AllSpark Cube. Like AllSpark. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Those MacGuffins, like, this is just a big gun. That That's it. Oh, it's a big gun because it destroys the hive. But the gun looks like, at first it looks like a cube. Then when you solve the Rubik's Cube, it turns into a big gun. So you're thinking, oh, the MacGuffin is a Tesseract or an AllSpark. And then no, they... you solve the cube. I'm sorry, go well, ahead. Well, yeah, it's just like... And then they try to make it sound like interesting, like oh, there's a they condensed a star, and that's how they're powering this weapon. But who cares? They're, they it's they true. take the time to pause and tell you about like how how neat this weapon is, how awesome its power is. 
but then the MacGuffin just goes back to being a generic. It's just a big gun, and you know they shoot people sometimes. And um, just to let you know how disappointing the MacGuffin is, you watch the trailer. And you see how the car, they, they move parts from the car around to turn, uh, to make armed weapons, to make guns. It's like, oh, I'm going to take out the tire, and I'm going to take out the mirror, and I'm going to take out the door, and I put them together, and I have a cool gun. Those guns that come earlier into the movie are cooler than, than the MacGuffin. Yeah, the, the, the MacGuffin is, it's, I don't know, whatever. Kind of looks like the mass relay for Mass Effect, but if that was a gun, but not as interesting, I guess. I don't know. You don't care. But I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's not me. It's a big gun. The, the end. <laughs> and then just to highlight how bad the writing is, going back to the mole, how you said they introduced Chris Hemsworth, and they're like, oh, is Chris Hemsworth the mole? And they did uh, that. They teased that. Going on. I don't even remember them trying to yeah. tease that. Yeah, they they teased it because it's like, hey, we need you to look over this alien because if something happens to him, a war will happen. And, you know, he, he dresses up like, like a douchebag, but in a villainous way. And, like, you see these assassins approaching the alien. And Tessa Thompson's like, hey, Chris, these suspicious characters are approaching this important alien figure. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then the important alien figure does get assassinated. And you're like, oh, I guess Chris Hemsworth's the mole. He's the bad guy. And then as the movie progresses, they're trying to figure out who the mole is. And Chris Hemsworth does these heroic thing so you're thinking you're trying to set it up with dialogue that he's the mole but he's doing good guy stuff so he's not the mole then you have liam neeson who's barely in the movie so every time he comes in he's supposed to be the boss but he's taking orders from what's the name of the guy that you were talking about who's supposed to be the red herring uh i don't remember but he's like a q or something i don't know he's just like some kind of like like science nerd yeah or he's like in accounting so, or something, you know. He, he's got like a, the boring desk job. Yeah. So so Liam Neeson's the boss, and he's supposed to give out the orders. Then he's talking to 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 the science, the red herring, science red herring, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm working on this investigation because of the assassination attempt." Okay. And it's like, wait a minute, you're the boss. Uh, Liam Neeson's the boss. But you're letting uh, Q do whatever he wants? Yeah. Well, I mean, that made sense to me. Just like, hey, he wants to, uh, you know, he wants to kiss ass to what's his name. So like, hey, uh, I'm going to stick my dogs on them because uh, I want to look good to you, uh, Qui-Gon. Yeah, but we've seen other movies where the boss of a secret organization, he's like, oh, hey, you're spying on this guy or you're monitoring this guy. and He hasn't done anything. Um Closing down operations, for example, in The Departed, where they were trying to investigate the, uh, what was it, the, one of the top FBI guys, because they were looking for a mole. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, nope, we're going to shut it down. Can't investigate more. In this one, uh, Liam Neeson's like, hey, Q, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing this uh, assignment. He's like, okay, then. And then Liam Neeson like, goes behind Q's back. Keep in mind, Q is not the boss. Liam Neeson hides under his desk of his office, calls Chris Hemsworth, like, hey, you got to watch out. They're, like, watching you because they think you're the mole. And it's like, wait, you're Liam Neeson. You're the boss. If you think something's wrong or not right, you can shut down the investigation. Yeah, they could do that if 
they thought about it or realized logic <laughs> or common sense. Well, see, that that's the whole thing of like, hey, the red herring's the mole, but I never for one second thought the red herring was the mole. That's true. Nothing about his character. Like, it's interesting. Like, okay, so the red herring's going to do a thing, but all it ever felt like was him. Like, he just doesn't like Chris Hemsworth because he's a shit. Because the movie told me he was a shit, and I believe that he was a shit. So I'm like, this guy's just trying to bring him in because he's shitty at his job. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, this guy's kind of the good guy because he, does, he doesn't like Chris Hemsworth. The only reason we like Chris Hemsworth as an audience is because we've seen him in other movies, and he's a likable, charismatic person. But this, if I took all of those other movies out that I've seen, if I took out his entire resume and only focused on this, I think, this guy's kind of an ass. Yeah, bring him in. Go for it. <laughs> And, and I'm sorry, you already talked about the mole, but I had to bring it back as an example to the audience that the writing is really bad. When you have talented actors and you have an experienced director, you know, people are going to think the movie can't be that bad, but it is. The, the writing is not there. Yeah, nothing's developed. Nobody cared. No, like that. there's only plot beats that they had because they're copying from other movies, but only half-assedly doing so. They barely copy from, I guess, spy movies, if that's what they're trying to do. They barely copy from, like, Mission Impossible movies. They barely copy from Men in Black itself. It's like the opposite of too many cooks in the kitchen. There's, like, too many cooks in the kitchen, but none of them are really trying. <laughs> well, so Nobody's putting their now, input. <laughs> now, we're moving on into the Easter egg, which... Uh... I don't know. I was so mad with the movie that when they did get to this Easter egg, I was like, I don't care, which was Chris Hemsworth is in this fight scene and then he gets pushed around. He knocks over a toolbox and this hammer shows up like this little like carpenter hammer. It's not Mjolnir from Thor. Oh, was it? I didn't way... know. <laughs> the way that the director set up the scene, I guess the director, this was the only day he showed up to direct the movie. The rest of the time, it's like you said, too many cooks and none were doing nothing. Sets up the scene. Uh, Thor opens his hand, and you're expecting the hammer, the way the scene was shot, the hammer to slide into his hand a la Thor. And no, he just extends his arm, grabs the hammer, and they play this epic score. And it's like, huh? Get it? He's Thor. Yeah. I mean, what else could they have done with that scene, I guess? Seems weird. Seems weird that this movie is trying to borrow from literally everything else, even a franchise it has nothing to do with in order to hopefully get the audience to care. But we didn't. Yeah, anything else you want to mention or, or add? Well, I just just kind of, like, I want to bring back to, like, how this movie is lazy at being a reboot, how, like, it has callbacks. <laughs> it has callbacks to the first movies, or the first movie. Like, oh, look, it's the worms. Oh, look, it's the noisy cricket. Oh, look, uh, there's a painting of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Where, like, it has lots of Easter eggs, I guess, if you're a fan. But if you've never seen a Men in Black movie, they're just kind of weird things that are just in the movie. That, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have, I don't, I don't care about any of this. Like, oh, this is just That's stuff. True. I don't know. I, I don't have any attachment to anything I'm looking at on the screen. Now, there's one more Easter egg. Um, and they made a big deal about it. And I want to know what you felt about it. So, Chris Hemsworth... He got his first acting role was in Star Trek, right? The the movie with Chris Pine, J.J. Abrams. Uh, I don't know if it's the first one, but it's probably his first notable one. First notable one. 
And in that movie, he plays the part of Captain Kirk's dad. So what do you do in this movie? Well, you have Captain Kirk's dad. So I guess we got the wrong Kirk. And uh, Chris Hemsworth has this one scene where he sleeps with an alien, a different race, different species. Mm-hmm. And it's something that Captain Kirk would do or he has done before on in the in the movies and in the show. So I guess that's another Easter egg. Well, I don't know. I think they just wanted to like have it be like, well, in a in a Kirk esque character where like you know it's kind of sly and kind of a playboy and maybe he doesn't exactly play by his own rules, but he gets the job done when he needs to. So I think they wanted to go for that, but the character is never developed into that. He's just a guy. He's just Chris Hemsworth, yeah. an alien once. <laughs> Just to throw in that reference to Star Trek, but unfortunately, the director who directed this movie isn't a sci That's the problem, then. The director they got for this movie is not a sci-fi guy, and I don't think he's a fan of sci-fi movies. If you look at his, his repertoire, I don't think he's directed any sci-fi movies. Probably not, but like I said, it, it makes sense in my eyes. It makes sense, like, they hired, like he, he got on board because he was hoping to work with Will Smith, but then they couldn't get Will Smith because he was too busy promoting Aladdin for six months or for some reason, you know, putting on it on his YouTube channel or whatever. And they're like, oh, we can't get, he's not coming back. Oh, I guess I should have seen it coming when he didn't come back for Independence Day Resurgence, which also has a Hemsworth <laughs> who wanted this movie, that movie to be their like, you know, bread and butter as a new like lead in a franchise, but that didn't pan out. And this movie won't get a sequel, but it'll probably get another <laughs> reboot in a few years. Where, like, That's true. Barry Sonnenfeld will come back or something. Even though he came back for three and nobody really cared about three. But they probably cared <laughs> a little bit more about more about three than they did for this one. Well, the problem with three was that it was a time travel movie. And usually you introduce a time travel so late into your movies. You mean in a third entry? your franchise is dying. Yeah, when your franchise is dying and you don't know how to bring it back. Hmm. Or because Tommy Lee Jones was tired, and they just let's put Josh Brolin, James, Josh, James, Brolin, John, yeah, Thanos, Thor Brolin into the movie <laughs> because he's not as tired, and at this point he'll do anything. Yeah. Um. Uh, that's it. That's all I got on my notes. Anything else you want to uh, cover? No, I think I've talked about this movie more than any human being has any right to. Yeah, so pretty much our review of this movie is about a nice condensed version of the movie. Listening to our review, you've already seen the movie. You've sat through some, what, 40 minutes of our review. So why don't you give us a subscribe on our YouTube, like us, check out some more videos. And uh, if you're on the go, listen to our audio podcasts, which are, what, Anchor, Google? Where else are we? I don't know. I don't listen to us. I just talk. Yeah, so bye, everyone.